Welcome to episode five of the More XR podcast. It's the latest in augmented reality to virtual reality and everything in between. And it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Anshul Sog, More Insights and Strategy's principal analyst covering XR, 5G, smartphones, PCs, cloud gaming, and much more. So let's get started with my topics for this week. And I wanted to start out with the Magic Leap announcement. Um, this happened a couple of weeks ago. You know, this podcast isn't quite weekly yet. Um, but I'm trying to get this on a bi-weekly cadence. And the, the latest news is that they announced the uh, Magic Leap 2 uh, headset on CNBC. Um, and I thought it was an interesting way to announce it. Um, I think one thing to consider here is that uh, Peggy's own, um, you know, experience with, with management and company made sense for her to announce this on CNBC even though I don't necessarily think it necessarily reached the right audiences, um, but it did create some movement uh, within the industry. And I think it was an interesting announcement. There weren't that many details given, um, but I would say that uh, if you look at, you know, what, where they're going with this and uh, you see that they did the video announcement and they showed the headset, uh, I have a feeling that we're gonna see a lot more coming from them soon. Um, and Peggy did publish a blog on their website as well, kind of talking about the future of the company, but, you know, it's not a huge announcement just because, um, it's kind of been anticipated. They did announce that they did raise another $500 million, which is significant. Uh, I think that gives the company a lot more runway. Um, and I think that people will consider them a more stable, uh, player in the space and somebody that they can rely on with this additional funding and the you know, clear announcement of the new headset, even though it is similar to in design as to the old one, it, it is a more updated, more clean looking design, I believe. Um, and they are upgrading the hardware as well to AMD. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, but right now it's kind of early to make any kind of assessments. The next topic I want to talk about was the HoloLens 2 um, Ar Army project. Um, and that was, uh, announced a while ago, like in 2018, it's a $22 billion project that Microsoft has with the US Army to deliver 120,000 headsets. Um, and I thought it was an interesting announcement because there were some outlets claiming that there was a, the, pro, the IVAS, which is Integrated Visual Augmentation System Program was delayed. Um, well, actually some of them said it was halted while others said it was delayed. And then the Army came out two days later and made a statement saying, that it's simply being delayed to a later date in 2022. Um, so we'll see what happens next year when they're supposed to deliver, but it sounds like it's more of a delay than a halt, which I think are very different. Um, but there were a lot of people who jumped on it and decided that uh, you know the program is now in shambles and everything's falling apart. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, next year, but there there is some uncertainty, but you know Microsoft is a big company and. HoloLens 2 is a pretty mature product, but this is a customized version of it. So we'll see what the end product looks like next year, sometime Q4 most likely. But, um, you know, HoloLens is, is a big part of what's driving a lot of, you know, innovation in the AR space and excitement within both industrial and military and defense applications. So we'll, we'll see kind of what happens there, but um, it's, it, it definitely puts some clouds over the project itself. And, you know, Microsoft has a $22 billion deal, which I believe is a 10 year deal, but nonetheless, that's, that's a significant amount of revenue 
for the company and for the industry as a whole that gets counted towards you know industry growth. Um, other than that, I think that's kind of it with that topic. Um, the next topic I want to talk about was the HTC Vive Flow. So HTC announced the new headset. Uh, this was about uh, two weeks ago as well. And the Vive Flow uh, is kind of like a, oh, I wrote an article about it on Upload VR, but um, basically it's a uh, standalone headset that, um, as you can see, I, I wrote my article. Um, if you're watching the, the YouTube video, it's a, it's a standalone headset that has a Qualcomm XR1 chipset in it, and it has a foldable frame, meaning that it can be very compact and portable. Um, the issue I find with it is it's $499, uh, which is a pretty steep price for a consumer headset. Uh, and I believe that they should be targeting this more towards enterprise, especially since some of the applications they talked about were more focused on, um, you know, allowing people to have health applications for this and to use it for therapy or some kind of meditation through something like TRIP. Um, so I think HTC needs to tighten up um, the pricing uh, and the model and possibly offer it as a combined hardware and software subscription. Uh, currently they're offering a software subscription for six bucks a month, um, but that doesn't solve the 499 barrier I believe they need to bring the price down to 299 for it to be consumer viable. Um, I think they know that, but I also think that HTC has pretty tight margins um, or at least in terms of profitability, they need to make profitability on the hardware, not as much on the software. So we'll see what happens with the Vive Flow, um, but it is an interesting product. There are applications for it. It's not for everyone, but I do think that if they wanna have a, a larger addressable market, um, they need to, kind of reduce cost and improve content. Um, the next topic I want to talk about is another interesting headset announcement, which is the Pimax Frontier. Um, the Pimax Frontier um, is an interesting device. Um, they launched it on YouTube. Uh, and that was uh, an interesting launch because, you know, the specs of the Pimax Frontier are incredibly high. Um, I'm going to pull up the specs right now. I thought I had them, but it's weird because the Pimax website doesn't even actually list it. You have to go to a YouTube video, um, but it is a 12K, according to them, 12K, uh, 12K OLED display with its own um, eye tracking capabilities. Um, it has integrated XR2 headset or XR2 chipset inside of it, uh, which allows for it to be a standalone headset. Um, it also has wireless streaming capabilities. Um, so you can choose to stream over a millimeter wave uh, Wi-Fi, uh, Y-Gig, or you can stream um, directly through the headset using the standalone capabilities. Um, but when you go standalone, you go down to 8K um, and you go from 200 Hertz down to 120. So um, it's a really interesting headset because it has a 200 degrees field of view. Um, I think they're pricing this around four grand, if I remember correctly. Um, they're doing a Kickstarter, which I'm not a fan of, um, but it does use uh, mini LED um, and QLED display technology as opposed to LCD or OLED. Uh, and it will use Wi-Fi 6E, which I think is a good move um, because it's much cleaner spectrum. Yeah, the price is actually 2,400. So I'm sorry, I went a little high on that. Um, 
but yeah, it's going to be kind of like one of those prosumer headsets. I think this fits into exactly where the Star VR was supposed to be, um, if it had ever launched. That was from uh, Acer, if you remember who Star VR was. It was also very high-end, very prosumery slash professional um, wide FOV headset uh, that never came to market. So I think the Pimax, which should come next year, uh, I believe the Kickstarter starts soon, but they'll be delivering headsets in about a year from now. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, uh, the Pimax 12K uh, Frontier headset. In addition to that headset, Vario also announced the Vario Aero, um, which is their own headset. I'm gonna see if I can pull that one up for you. Um, and the Vario Aero is um, their lowest cost headset, which, you know, when you're talking about Vario, that's a, still a pretty high price. Uh, but as you can see, it's got dual displays. Um, it doesn't have that, that retina display in the middle, which by the way, the Pimax does. Um, so it's the first Vario headset without that high resolution retina center display, in addition to having a high resolution display overall, but it does still have eye tracking and auto IPD and 200 Hertz refresh rate. Um, and I believe this one's also around two grand. Um, and this one's very clearly tailored towards, you know, going towards that prosumer slash mainstream um, business user who wants to be able to connect this to a laptop and doesn't need or want a desktop um, to connect their headset to. Uh, we'll see how this works out. Um, these are the specs over here. So you can see it's 487 grams with a, a 230 gram uh, headset counterweight. Uh, and it's got a 115 degree field of view as opposed to uh, what Pimax is showing with their 200. Um, but overall, it's just, you know, Pimax is moving up the chain while um, Vario continues to move down, which, you know, Vario still makes a very high quality product, um, but it is, you know, only a 90 refresh, 90 hertz refresh rate. Um, it is basically 5K with 2880 by 2720 for high resolution. So it's still extremely high resolution. You'll still want a pretty powerful GPU. Um, but yeah, this is gonna be an interesting headset. Haven't had a chance to try that out either. Uh, I'll probably be trying this one out at AWE next week. Um, but nonetheless, it, it's a, gonna be a very interesting headset and I'm looking forward to trying it out and seeing how it looks compared to the rest of the VR headsets I've tried to date. Um, then we've got the Facebook slash meta announcements. Um, first, there was the fact that Facebook had announced prior to, prior to rebranding itself, which we now know has happened, um, they were going to break out Facebook Reality Labs financials from rest, the rest of the company, um, which now kind of seems pointless when you consider that uh, the company has now restructured itself and will now be structuring the Facebook, Instagram, and you know WhatsApp portion of the company separately. And then the rest of the company will be focused on the, the metaverse. And that will be a um, that will be its own division. So of course they're breaking out the financials because Facebook Reality Labs now falls within the meta part of the company rather than the uh, the apps part of the company, which you know I think Facebook is going to keep those brands separate because Facebook is not a positive brand anymore. Um, and because the company has rebranded itself as Meta, 
it will try to erase a lot of the, the bad juju that's associated with the Facebook brand. And I think that they're going to try and use that to their advantage to recruit new talent. Um, and I, I think overall, it's going to be positive for them as a company, but they've kickstarted this whole conversation about the metaverse. And now everybody wants to know what's your metaverse strategy, even though the metaverse is far from a possibility today for a multitude of reasons, um, which I've written about on Forbes. Um, but I think that we will have a lot of discussions and disagreements about what the metaverse is uh, for the near term. And in the long term, the metaverse is going to have to be something that's more open, which Facebook, to their own ambition, they've claimed will be. Um, but the, the definition of open itself is very vague. Um, but there needs to be interoperability, which Facebook does push for, sorry, Meta does push for. Uh, and they are saying that they want. OpenXR to be part of everything, which is a very open standard and a lot of the industry is collaborating on. So we'll see what happens in terms of the metaverse, but there's just so much that has to be worked out. And the truth is interoperability is going to be super important for it to be successful, but everybody's going to want to have their own open walled gardens. So it's still early days. We're years and years away from that being a reality, especially when you consider device numbers for XR in general are still nowhere near where they need to be for it to be a, a truly uh, mainstream platform. But that said, there are millions of Oculus, uh, sorry, they've also killed the Oculus brand. So they're, they're now calling it the MetaQuest 2. Um, so there are supposedly more than 5 million MetaQuest 2 headsets out there. But I believe for, their, for it to really be considered a successful platform, it needs to be more in the 10 10 plus million units, which I think they might actually be able to achieve um, if people can't get things like consoles for the holidays. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the Facebook meta metaverse conversation. The next topic I want to talk about is AT&T, Ericsson and Weaver with partnership uh, with NVIDIA have actually um, earlier this year, uh, done a location-based VR experience using 5G. I'm going to share this on video. So this article published on NVIDIA's website talks about how AT&T, Ericsson, Weaver use location-based VR experiences with OpenXR and using Dreamscape Interactive, Dell, Qualcomm, and VMware. So, you know, everybody's getting in on the game. Um, and use it to create a location-based VR experience. Um, and they'll be talking about this in more detail at GTC, um, which I believe will be happening next week as well, at the same time as AWE. So we'll see what happens there. But as you can see, it was using a Qualcomm XR2 VR headset, using some Ericsson equipment. Um, one of our friends of the show, Peter Linder, is quoted in this article. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how, you know, how 5G can influence XR and enable low latency uh, experiences in ways that otherwise wouldn't have been possible with regular broadband connections. Uh, so it, it's exciting. And you're seeing a lot of different players in this space working together to make this happen. Uh, and I'll definitely be attending uh, that talk. Uh, at GTC to kind of get a better understanding of how, how they were able to do this 
um, and what they learned from it in terms of LBE, because, you know, LBE took a really big hit this year uh, during COVID. And we're starting to see a resurgence of that, you know, little by little with companies like Sandbox VR buying up a lot of um, their fallen brothers and sisters. Um, but yeah, other than that, looking forward to talking more about that in the future and hopefully getting to learn more about how this was deployed and what they learned from it. The next topic I want to cover is the DigiLens um, earning, well, not earnings, actually, they, they raised money. Um, they raised a Series D round of funding, um, which was led by Samsung Electronics. Uh, they also had uh, additional investors, including uh, Diamond Edge Ventures, which is part of Mitsubishi Chemical Holdings, Alsop Louis Partners, 37 Interactive, UDC Ventures, which is, I believe, uh, Universal Display Corporations, and Dolby Family Ventures. So they didn't say the amount of money that was raised. Um, they said over $50 million is the amount. Uh, and that sets their valuation at over $500 million. Um, so we're going to assume they got a ballpark of around 10% of the company for that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what DigiLens does for the industry in terms of enabling their technology um, and their waveguides uh, and new headsets and enabling smart glasses because you know they have reference designs that are modular, um, which should potentially allow companies to um, build on top of their hardware um, and come to market faster. And you know they're working with companies like Qualcomm to improve improve that time of market and overall just um, bring better waveguide technology to the market. And there's competition, which is a good thing to have. Um, and we'll see, you know, what the latest is from DigiLens, hopefully AWE. Um, but, you know, they've been around for a while now and it, it's clear that they've got some very serious backers behind them that are willing to continue to invest in DigiLens success down in the future because AR is a very difficult problem, especially the AR optics problem. And I'm sure DigiLens is aware of that and so are their investors. Um, but nonetheless, I still wanna congratulate uh, their CEO, Chris Pickett uh, on getting the new round. I'm sure that's a great weight off their shoulders and uh, can't wait to see what DigiLens has coming next. Now for the last and final topic, this is the newest piece of news. Um, it looks like uh, according to the New York Times, there will be uh, some sort of uh, stores for Meta. Um, it looks like Meta is gonna be building these uh, stores for uh, retail purposes specifically. And reason why I think this is interesting is because um, they, have had a retail presence in Best Buy stores for the most part. And before that, they actually did have their own little pods at different places and malls and shopping centers and things like that. But it's clear that Meta wants to now have its own stores, which makes sense when you consider that they've got products like um, the portal um, video conferencing device. They've got, um, they've got some of their, uh, the glasses, with the Ray-Bans, I've got them. Uh, and then they've also got the Oculus headset. 
and they're working on a wearable supposedly. So I think that they're going to have enough products and experiences to justify having a store. And, you know, keeping those end caps and paying for those is pretty expensive on its own. Um, so I think that Facebook is going to want to integrate all of its smart home and VR and metaverse capabilities all into one store and control the experience much better than when they can retail. And at the same time, you know, really curate the experience to a point where it improves the meta brand name and people are going to be like seeing the meta stores and be like, what is a meta store and kind of be curious about it as opposed to seeing a Facebook store, which I think would be much more confusing and a lot of people would be much less likely to go in. So I think it's a positive for them. Um, we'll see how many stores they end up rolling out. I don't think anything in this near time story says how many stores they plan on having. Um, but, you know, having your own store does work. Um, I think that we'll probably see some kind of, um, you know, high traffic areas. There's a lot of retail space that's still open in a lot of malls. So I think they can probably get a good deal on some of these locations and, maybe sign a year or two deal and not really, um, you know, put their feet in the ground too, too deeply on this retail presence thing. Um, but, you know, they have products that they can sell and move and, and kind of improve their um, relationship with customers. Other than that, that's kind of all the topics I wanted to cover for this episode. Uh, we hope your, our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. Uh, if anyone out there would like to provide us with insight on a specific XR topic for a future podcast, please reach out to me on social media. I'm at Anshel Sog. Uh, we hope you have a good weekend and please tune in again next week.